0: This film, the podcast where we reach back into your childhood, pluck out a movie, give it a rewatch, and have a chat about it. I'm Emily Slade and welcome back. You watched it so many times before, and now you're gonna watch it again. But it's been so many years since you last saw it, and now you show it to your friends, and they're like, What? What am I watching? Why th- what is what? this? Why? What Why is this, this film? film? And I'm joined today by Corey. Hello.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: (laughs) Welcome back from Podcasting After Dark and many, many other podcasting endeavors. (laughs) Thank you. You are more than welcome to chat about. Um, Of course. (laughs) It's so exciting. I can't even get my words out. Like, I'm so excited. We are, guys, we're doing legend.
1: (laughs) Oh, mate. (laughs) And I think I'm just as excited as you are. And this this was my first viewing um so like the the backstory on why emily and i are doing this is uh i had her on uh, the watch list and we discussed your favorite 80s fantasy movies and uh legend was on there and i lamented that i had never seen it before i think you kind of lost your mind and on the actual (laughs) episode we we said we're going to do this together it took months <laughs> for us to yes. get to this point. Unfortunately, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've had a we've had a pandemic uh, in between. Uh, yeah, it's just, oh my it's, God. <laughs> it's taken a while. It's taken a while, but we are here, and this is this is your favorite. It's it's the opposite of of how you sort of do it. This one is your movie.
0: Yeah, this is every now and then I get to bring out one of my my classics, and this movie changed my life. So the quick IMDb breakdown uh, for the plot. A young man must stop the Lord of Darkness from destroying daylight and marrying the woman he loves. (laughs) It is literally that simple, lads. Like (laughs) So, context. This movie, and I can't remember right, I I might have said it when I came on um, your episode uh, all those many moons ago. Basically, I was going to France for a year five trip. So I would have been, what, like nine, eight, nine? And every Friday night, every Sunday night, sorry, on Channel 5, they would show, like, old fantasy movies. You'd see The Goonies and The NeverEnding Story, and I came at it halfway through. I came at it at the scene where Lily is dancing with the dress, and then you see darkness for the first time. And I only got to see about 20 minutes of it, and then we had to go home. I was at my grandma's, and it was on, and then we had to leave, and then, I like, and like, that was it. I had 20 minutes, and the next day I was going to France. And I watched these 20 minutes of basically just the scene where she dances and then darkness comes and then they have a bit of a chat and then I had to go. And the entire trip in France, I was consumed with what was that? What was it? Because I need it. I need all of it. And I need it right now. I need to like consume it. I need it in its entirety and and forever. And I came back and I found it obviously, and I consumed it in every capacity um, for years, and it just, it's one of those movies that, like, it gets under your skin, and it becomes a part of who you are as a person. And, like, that is, that is me and legend. Um... <laughs> And you've not seen it. So I am terrified and so excited to hear. <laughs> what you think well, of I, well,
1: I do remember, and I'm going to paraphrase and, and I do apologize, but on the podcast After Dark Watchlist episode that you were on, you mentioned that you love uh, fantasy films that are like, what was the phrase? Like just. Pixie dust, like you, like just purest form yeah. of fantasy, right? Like, yeah. I, I, again, I'm paraphrasing. You you had a much more elegant way of selling, saying it I than think I do. I just do.
0: said, like, I want to chop it into fine powder and snort it out <laughs> my
1: nose. Yeah, there you go. There you go. But like I said, much more elo- eloquent. <laughs> um, and yeah, like, as I'm watching this film, and I, I guess, you know, we'll just go in uh, to what, over, overall sort of thoughts at the top here. Um, as I'm watching it, first off, Oh my god, the set design and the cinematography in this movie are unbelievable. Yes. And and this is this I'm I'm a visual artist by trade. I grew up uh, you know, painting, drawing, all that kind of stuff, all the visual mediums and, and and went to school for film. And I am so upset at myself for not having this in my life for so long. Um, but I do also understand why I had such a, a hard time getting into it when I was a kid. It is a gross movie. It is a dark movie. It is a violent movie, even though you kind of don't really see it, but you sort of see the aftermath. It is. It has some very gruesome things about it. Um, that are just terrifying to kids. Uh, not to mention, like Tim Curry Darkness. Uh-huh. But you know, so I, I and as a and, and the it's weird because the movie I have so many things to say. The movie has this weird world building thing that it does, where it doesn't build, it doesn't do any world building, yet it does an immense amount of world building. Yeah. Do you know it's 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 so weird and and I have a gazillion points that I can just shoot off on. But like, let, just stick with the visuals for a second. I. I can't believe how beautiful this movie is. And right? and I assume it's all sets, right? Like uh the the yeah. wilderness and stuff. Yeah. And and for me, I love like uh, the best example I can think of is uh Sleepy Hollow by Tim Burton. There's mm-hmm. a scene where one of the magistrates gets his head cut off and it's sort of out, outdoors in a in a field, but you can so tell that it's a set, you yeah. know, and everything. And for some reason, I love that aesthetic where you can tell that it's a set, but yet it's supposed to look outdoors. You know, uh-huh. it's it's a very dreamlike quality to it, and uh, the whole cottage thing. The every set, every set is amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm-
0: Nothing's done by halves. Everything is at one hundred and ten percent. I mean, it goes without saying that he was uh, Ridley Scott, uh, was heavily, heavily influenced by La Belle et la Bête by Jean Cocteau, which is lavish, lavish fantasy. And it's uh, gardens and gardens and high castles and jewellery and all of these sort of ele- elegant, uh, rich French things. And it's all in this movie, as well as like the nature and fantasy nature as well. Like, you know, you're not on Earth. And you're never really told where you are.
1: Yeah, that's that's the thing that I think as a kid I probably had a hard time with because there's no like establishing shot of a castle. You don't, you don't sort of know how society is at this point. You can guess that it's medieval, obviously, but like all we see is that one cottage. Uh, that's that's so very dreamlike when she's there. And uh, but other than that you don't really have a sense of, like, who's ruling, what are the politics, and here's the thing, none of it matters. Like, yeah. that kind of stuff doesn't matter, and, like, like I know a lot of people have problems with this movie because I guess its, it's story is very simplistic, and obviously we can get into all the different versions of this film, <laughs> Um but the one that I watched is the theatrical version, the 93-minute, or I should say the U.S. theatrical version, yeah. and um it is very bare bones but that gives you a lot of room for your imagination to kind of go with you know and and if if we want to stick on on like that world building aspect for a second it's like what it lacks it it makes up for an imagination and I also found it interesting too and I think this sort of lends to that is that you know, you watch a movie, and it's it's the structure of a, of a scene is usually an establishing shot, then you zoom in for close ups and everything. And if and uh, this could be completely wrong, but I'm just going to say it for like sort of the purpose of what I'm, the point I'm trying to make. If a movie, if if your average film is like forty percent close ups the entire movie, you know, forty percent close up shots. This movie is like seventy five percent close up shots. It's all close-up shots, which really allows you to connect with the characters and everything, but it also doesn't give you much room to look at what's going on around them, for better or worse. Now, you could see, obviously, you do get a lot of sense of the scenes and stuff. You do get a sense of it, but it has a, it's mostly close-up shots. It's really interestingly shot.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I think that does not get too much into it too quickly, but I think that comes down to... The edit, they, uh, you read about this film and they had so many ideas that they wanted to go with and so many were shut down and then some were filmed and then they were cut and what we ended up with was basically a producer's cobbled together version of someone's idea and it's still from that, which is why a lot of things don't make sense. I don't know if you notice them in your cut, but like so much stuff is just like, wait, what? Because they've like cut out a bunch of bullshit, but it's not bullshit. Like it's just and and it 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 then leads to her suffering sometimes from a massive tonal problem. I am a huge fan of a tonal problem in my movie. I love going from slicing someone's head off to like a fart joke. Like I think that's the greatest thing ever.
1: Yeah, um, you, you you talked about that a lot <laughs> in your in the in the Mystery Men episode. You guys yeah. you enjoyed how how weirdly tonal it was and mm-hmm. th- this movie I agree with you. It it has I mean It almost opens up with with, uh, those, I'm just going to call them, like, these, like, butcher cooks guys, like, chopping up humans. And I'm like, oh, my God. God, like, mm-hmm. like actors and, 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 you know, it's just like, I'm like this is insanely dark, but at the yeah. same time you know, you also have this amazing shot of the darkness with his eyes are green and everything, and I was like, wow that's amazing, but like, it jumps from that to like, horrific like, you don't see it, but you can you assume there's dismemberment, and you, you see the aftermaths later, but then you jump to these beautiful scenes of like Mia Sarah and Tom Cruise, and mm-hmm. boy, oh boy, is, is the scary stuff scary in this movie and I
0: I really love that I love it when a movie doesn't shy away from being scary and I've got the original script somewhere the first draft that the writer put out and it is it is even worse they delve into the darkest of all fairy tales and they do so much with it they um which I'll happily go into later and it got so dark and they really rained it out for what we actually get but my theatrical cut that I saw for example, opens with this huge establishing shot of the tree of evil and darkness is there and he's speaking and he's like, oh, we must like da-da-da. And it's like super, super dark. And then he like puts a fork in his goblin friend's head and he's like, fool, they look like this with a horn reaching up to the sky. And the goblin responds with like, I get the point, Lord. And it's (laughs) like a stupid pun after we've just... Had this oozing misty tree of all evil. He's the devil's son. We don't see his face yet, and he's so menacing. And then it's like I get the point. And it's like, oh my god, what is happening? I love it. <laughs> but,
1: but but I I do too because I I loved Blix. I thought he was like a fantastic uh, foil. You know, he he was he was great. But like. Like you're saying, and I, I guess I watched the same cut because that's like how mine sort of started too. But like what yeah. you're like, I also find it interesting that like like when he does stick the fork in his head there is also this shot that comes before it where it's this close-up shot of Blix's nose that's, like, dripping with goo and his, like, fingernails almost touching it or something or whatever. And I'm like, it's such an interesting shot. Again, there's so many just extreme close-ups in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like, when Tom Cruise goes to see the unicorn or something, there's just all these extreme close-ups. There are, like, they are really in on it. And and a lot of times, I I loved it. I love that use of close subs. i really really do it keeps really. you right there
0: you've got to see the like sweat on their faces mm-hmm. and the glitter everyone's just covered in glitter all the time which i'm a massive fan of and um that shot with the fingernail and the nose is meant to like reminisce you of like michelangelo's ceiling with god and mm-hmm. adam and like all of these things that are like because we get so many close-ups and because it's edited so weirdly together you get so many weird facial expressions that you just have to stay with these characters for their their, their faces are making patterns and and reactions that just don't make any sense and i and it just adds to this whole world of like where am i what's going on and I just, I know these characters, which seems bizarre because you read about what they were meant to be like, um, how in the original cut that they have all of these flaws and all of these characterizations that we don't necessarily get to see as much in the theatrical cut, but they still come through and they come through with those extreme close-ups.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I, I... I don't know if, if knowing more would enhance my viewing or not because like as it is, it's such a weird movie and and in the most beautiful sense of it, uh with all of its flaws, you know, I mean my God, like, yeah, like you were talking about earlier how things didn't make sense, like the Una, the fairy stuff, like uh, mm-hmm. the, the the Tinkerbell equivalent, um, you know, the whole Tom, she wants Tom Cruise to kiss her, he won't do it, and so she gets mad, but then still helps, like, there's no sort of resolution to why she got mad about it, or or whatever, but, and I assume that that probably gets expanded upon in the director's cut, or or whatever mm-hmm. it is, but i'm also like well does it do i need an explanation this is and the thing.
0: she gives you the explanation she she fancies jack she, she kept she gave him her secret he betrayed her then she's like okay well fuck it like i'll get a kiss and then he's like no i love lily i've decided now and then she's like a fairy's heart beats fierce and free not like you pathetic human hearts like porridge that's it Like, she's annoyed, but she's not going to leave him to die because she's come on this quest and, like, she's agreed to... And, like, I know what you're saying where, like, in any other movie, there would be more of an arc or more of a theme there. But in this one, it's just, like, characters doing some stuff to get through the day.
1: Well, and it also makes it feel more real because we're only getting this chunk of their lives. And so we don't know what preceded it. We don't know what, what comes after it. And it's, it's weird that the lack of, of the information actually just makes it more interesting to me, but I kind of have to take off my, you know, my 42 years of watching cinema hat in order to kind of like enjoy it. And I, I still think that maybe – I think that, like, the age of 42 was probably the best time for, for Cordy <laughs> to see this, you know? And, and I say that also because I've, you know, in the past, like, five years have become more fascinated with, like, like actual fairy stuff and folklore and, you know, fae folk stuff. And and so, like, I'm like, ah, she's actually behaving a lot more fairy-like than I probably would have thought of as a kid because yeah. they're they are weird and strange creatures that we can't, you know, as humans understand. I mean, we're essentially – two different species we can't under, ever understand each other type mm-hmm. of thing uh, if you believe in you know fairies and goblins all that kind of stuff um and i liked it i liked seeing these very sort of traditional like you know uh gump is kind of like a pan sort of character mm-hmm. and and everything and and it's like i feel like today you would have done something a little bit more prosthetic-y, you would have put more stuff on yeah. him, but, but he felt more traditional as this, like, kid, uh, you know... Uh, like a Peter Pan type. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Weirdo. Just weirdo, but, 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 but amazingly acted and, and, you know, like, and I love... He, what...
0: I always found that he felt really old. Yeah. You know, he looked... He yeah. looked 12, the actor's 18, but you feel that he's, like, 200 years old.
1: Yeah, no, per- perfect. I, like, it was, it was an absolute, like, perfect casting because, you know, I'm like, okay, there's – I was like, I don't think this guy is 12. The, he looks more adult. Like, you can tell in his facial features he's maybe a little bit more mature, but, you know, he's got – he's kind of, like, has this, like, smaller body. But then they just portray him as having the, – they could not have pulled off the look of maturity in his eyes with probably anyone less than 18. You know, mm-hmm. like, he just... I just don't think it would have worked at, as with, like, a 12-year-old. And you see it, like, with the the, the princess in um, Neverending Story. You know, she's young, yeah. but she, she kind of feels young. He legit feels like he's 200 years old. Yeah. Like and, and and it's not just from like his voice. It's 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 from his his facial acting. It's it's from his awareness in his eyes that mm-hmm. that the actor brought to the role that yeah. I was just unbelievably impressed with. You know, mm-hmm. J- just as I just as impressed as I was with Tom Cruise's unibrow.
0: <laughs> I Don't watch Tom Cruise movies and I've never thought anything of him and I always forget that he is in this because to me this is always just Jack the forest boy. It's not Tom Cruise because I don't know Tom Cruise. I don't know what Tom Cruise is like. This is a whole bizarre entity. Who is he? Who are his parents? Did he grow up in the forest? Why is he there? Is he immortal? Is he magic? What is he? Doesn't matter. He's just and and,
1: And he doesn't Know the Gump when he first meets him, but he he kind of has an idea of who he is, or at least he knows what fairies are. And then you know, like this comes to the bit of the strangeness about this film. You, You know, us as viewers, we're probably thinking like, okay, he lives in the forest, then he probably knows the Gump and everything. And then the fact that he doesn't, you're like, okay, that kind of makes you like, what is like. What is Jack's actual role? Is he, yeah. you know, is he the knowledge character? Is he the 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 protagonist? You know, all this kind of stuff. Um, it's it's kind of weird because, and I I do find some weird things like like you know Jack shows. Um, what is Mia Sarah Sarah's character's name? Is it just Lady Prin-
0: Princess Lily?
1: Pr- Princess Lily, that's right. Okay, uh, it, like he shows her that the the unicorns, and then when she starts walking towards them. He kind of he turns around and leaves. Like, he's kind of... um
0: the whole journey of him... So he takes Lily to see the unicorns. And they're, like, special creatures that only come in, like, every now and then by the sounds of it. We're not really sure, but it feels like it's a special visit time that they're going to yeah. turn up. And he takes her to see them. She decides that she's going to go touch one. Because she's still a princess and entitled, even though she's sweet and innocent and we're meant to love her. And so she goes forward and she goes to touch them. And he's petrified to start off with. And he's like... Don't do it. She continues to try and do it. And then it's almost like he just gets stroppy and angry. And storms off. It's not that he's like, you're going to doom us all. He's just like, oh, well, I try and do something nice and you just fucking throw it back on my face. Fine, whatever. And then when she sees him again, he's like, you weren't meant to do that. What were you thinking? No one really knows the severity of what's happened yet. And yet it's still... It's not that he's like, how could you? They were sacred creatures. You've got, oh, Lily, what? Oh, God. He's just like super pissy about it. And I love that really humanness of it where he's not like, ah, you've forsaken us all. Uh, How could you betray me in this way? He's just literally like, for fuck's sake, why do you hate me? Oh my God. (laughs)
1: And then and then she gives him a kiss and uh, says that she'll marry him if she if she she gets his ring and then he just immediately, you know, dives after it. And yeah, it's it's I guess I guess you have to when you watch this movie, it's it just it throws a lot of conventions away. And Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, this cut of the film that it does that, uh, this seems to be, it's kind of like the whole Blade Runner scenario where there's like a gazillion cuts of this movie. And uh, which one's the right one? It it all depends on your, I think it all depends on your version, which one the right one is. I think it's a personal version, you know? That's
0: interesting because I I would disagree. I would say that for this movie, it's the director's cut, which I've never seen because it's very difficult to get a hold of in England. But Ridley Scott, Tom Cruise... All of the people in the movie are like, please go and watch the director's cut. Otherwise, the movie doesn't make sense. I've always had the theatrical cut, so that's what I've fallen in love with and I know inside out. But I'm desperate to see the director's cut because I know that's the movie they wanted me to see. So I, I can't speak for Blade Runner, but I feel like there is a definitive version that you ought to be watching for this movie. And it's the director's cut. It's just really difficult to get hold of. And okay. I haven't
1: seen it. 'm I'm, I'm gonna see if I can uh, uh, track it down here because so I, I watched this on I think Amazon streaming stars under like the stars banner um, and you know I, I, and I was sober and I was like the whole time I was like I was like man I want to see this super high and like just beautiful like 4k like colors and and everything because it is just the entire movie is so dream like I I love the use of wind. I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of wind in movies. Uh, I love when things are blowing, especially when it's—it's it's kind of like a tell of things being ominous. You know, as the wind yeah. is coming in. I love that. Um, I love the fact that there's all these moths or something like flying around to give this like to yeah, give every just, scene this ethereal like, sense to it.
0: If there's not like cascades of blossom, it's like bits of dandelion seed or bits of like flies or bits of glitter. There's just this movie is so visceral. Like you you feel like you're there in the space and the space is just full of like like the world all yeah. of the time.
1: It's 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 nooks and crannies everywhere. Like I'm mm. I'm looking at them just walking through the woods and I, I you can tell it's a set or for at least you know for a lot of it and I'm just like I want to know what's around that corner. I want to know where that yeah. like babbling brook goes to, you know? Yeah. And and they they just did as someone who as someone who enjoys hiking and, and and enjoys the magic of the woods, and you can you can tell like in the, when you go hiking in the woods, you can tell some spots have more magic than others, <laughs> and you can just sort of sense it and and everything. And they just they the the set designer, the cinematographer, just did a, such a fantastic job conveying mm-hmm. this like just conveying magic, which is which is you know yeah. an abstract concept, you know. But there's magic everywhere, and it just it feels like a magical world. It, it, it really, feels it really amazing. Does.
0: You can press print screen at any point in this movie and you'll have a beautiful desktop
1: mm-hmm. paper. You'll yourself. have a piece you have a piece of artwork essentially, yeah, you know. Yeah. I, and
0: like, I I you should do for every movie. Like it's like that's just how movies should be, in my opinion. That's what it, good it, movies are, in my. Opinion.
1: I, I I agree, but like, man, this one is like, like, like an eleven. Spinal <laughs> <laughs> Tap. This one is like, yeah, like set direction and cinematography to an eleven, mm-hmm. and it, almost to the point where it it skirts the line of distraction, Um, you know, Mm. just, just a smidge, just a smidge, especially for someone who appreciates it. And I'm just like, Oh, Oh, I'm like looking (laughs) everywhere and I'm, and I'm missing like the story, but I'm like, (laughs) Oh my God, Oh my God, this is amazing. Uh, And then like, you know, like, and then just to kind of segue uh, into the horrificness of it, you know, when the world gets, gets frozen over, was that a freaking baby frozen in the crib or was that a Hell doll yeah. of a baby? That was the baby, this right? Baby. And then the families, and there's no indication that they ever come back. Like that, no. that like when this is like undone that they're yeah. fine, you know? do
0: know that they come back to life or whether they were just lost in the winter storm of
1: 1921. Uh, yeah, what, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever the era that is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean like, so, so you know. First off, again, I I also love snow in movies, so that was freaking awesome to sort of see that, although I did feel very bad for Tom Cruise getting that – fake snow in his mouth like left and right and I'm like I was like oh buddy you, you got cancer I know it yeah, that's all asbestos you know what I mean like it's yeah, crazy yeah. But, but it's it's visually it's amazing it's it's visually yeah. amazing and then just the freaking baby just frozen in its crib yeah. an establishing shot of a baby frozen in its crib is like unbelievable in a kids uh-huh. movie
0: I love it so much these characters that we've met and known and like another thing that I love the character who becomes frozen in the in the in the little um sort of hut that she visits once she visits at the beginning she has a conversation and then she visits it when the snow comes and it's all frozen and everyone's dead in their tracks but when we see her when she's alive she's dubbed over and just that uncanny valley of like you know that that woman isn't talking you can see that it's a dub but like you're not quite sure and i don't know why she was dubbed either but it's just another one of Another layer to this movie that I'm just like, you're just constantly a little bit uneasy and like to continue on the dark path. Like, oh my God, Tim Curry resurrects a corpse? Who grabs a goblin by their feet and tosses them into a pit.
1: Can I tell you, that was my favorite part. I was yeah. like... And I love how the goblin's like, all right, well, I'll see you guys later. As you like, Honestly, off, to, off to hell I go, basically. It's, it's
0: the perfect sort of snapshot of, like, this movie has a tonal problem. Do explain. Okay, so, like, goblin who's, like, stolen the unicorn horn and faces darkness and is like, you know what? Your reign of terror is over. I have the ultimate power now and you're going down. Tim Curry's like, shut up. Resurrects a literal like mummy decaying corpse who like comes out of the ground, grabs him by the ankle, like bear hugs him and jumps into a pit of hell with him. And um, meanwhile, this guy's like, oh, oh no, I didn't mean it. I, I can I take it back? I'm so sorry. Uh, oh well. Adios, amigos. Yeah,
1: adios, like, that's amigos. I feel like what the fuck
0: is happening? And I'm watching. I was watching it this time around, especially, and I was like, this feels like originally he was going ah,
1: ah! ah! <laughs> and the
0: studio have gone that's too dark we're gonna need to dub that over with something for the kids so they've done like an almost warner brothers cartoon piece of dialogue over the top of something that's incredibly frightening both visually and emotionally and they've just meshed the two together and been like done so saved
1: that scene. <laughs> but, but, but yet one would maybe argue made that scene absolutely amazing, I, right? Like on it. <laughs> iconic at this point. Exactly. I mean, to the to the fact that when he says, adios amigos, he even has, like, that inflection of somebody mimicking, like, you know, like, uh, Hispanic, you know, yeah. so it's just like, I'm like, oh, my, it's so, it's meta, you know, it, it was kind of like meta, even though it was supposed to take place way back in the day. But uh, I was actually a little shocked by him, how he, you know, was actually a, uh, not a fairy, I guess he was uh, like a dwarf.
0: He's like a, a dwarf. A brownie type person.
1: That that is now that got hooked up with the goblins, and then is slowly turning into something weird. But they don't explain it. You just, I guess, you just sort of assume that he's got that chicken hand because he's just been living with them for so long that he's mm-hmm. starting to corrupt he's starting to change and that you get the sense that if he stays with them forever he will be you know uh, uh, fully converted into a goblin maybe that's how goblins even become goblins it's just a fairy or, or an elf that has turned bad uh, mm. and this is how it happens um, or was he was he like sent on an undercover mission you, you don't know and yeah. that's what's cool about it it's it's a really neat concept you don't really know anything about these the, the two dwarves about the Gump, about Una, and mm-hmm. about the, the the undercover goblin. You know, you don't even know that much about Blix or anything. Yeah. Um, but but you still get a sense of where their priorities are. You mm-hmm. still get a sense of their their friendship and and their caring and their kindness and everything. And it's just yeah, they they really fit into this mold of what you think a stereotypical, or I should say, what we used to think a stereotypical like dwarf and everything. It just doesn't it doesn't feel it feels very pre Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, yeah. and 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 which is great because you know like I hate it when you know, uh, uh, Warner Brothers did this. It's like Batman begins uh, super dark, super realistic. It's like, okay, that's the direction we're going to go with uh, with Superman. It's like, well, no, Superman is different. He needs something different. And mm-hmm. I, I don't like the fact that, like, in a post-Lord of the Rings universe, we have to try to make everything gritty and realistic. It's like, yeah. it, it's refreshing to see a, a more, an older, more uh, innocent take on, on, you know, fairies and, and stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm. It's that pure good and evil. People don't want their um, villains pure good and evil anymore. And yeah, Lord of the Rings gave us that sort of grounded aesthetic, which we're not allowed anymore. Um, You've got to have your Luke Skywalker character. Because there isn't one in this. I can't tell you who the protagonist is. And I can't tell you um, whether everyone is, um, you know, what what everyone's deal is at the end of the day. And I love it for it.
1: Yeah, because it's... It's not quite like Jack doesn't quite go on like the hero's journey because he doesn't have the whole like hesitation moment or, or um, actually has the exact opposite. He literally dives right into the water to, to basically start his journey um, mm-hmm. towards, I guess, towards her marriage. Right. That would be like the, the hero's journey for him. But it, it's not it's not your typical hero's journey. Um, and then uh, Mia Sarah, it's she's not your your typical damsel. Um, you know, she's she's actually quite capable. Um, she's she's scared, obviously. Like we all would be, you know. Yeah. To see t- Tim Curry like that, like I mean, he looks amazing. Oh we gosh. need to we need to dedicate a, a oh, chunk yeah, of time to just talk holes. about that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, but like, like the the structure of this film is is very odd because you know then you're like, okay, is it one of those journey like Sinbad movies where you go from set to set, from location to location? Uh, one new party member always dies in the new location. It's it's not that, but yet he still has to fight that that swamp witch lady which looks Mm -hmm. amazing um so yeah it's just it's really weird it's all over the place uh structurally the same as it is tonally but what is what we're left with is something that works you know
0: a hundred percent and i wonder how again how much of that is the edit and how much of that is the original intention there's so many different versions of how this movie ends um i know i said in the imdb thing it's like to marry the woman he loves in the original script He lusts after her to begin with and then only eventually falls in love, but then they decide to go their separate ways anyway because they realise that they don't belong together and just because they've been through something so hectic that shouldn't necessarily mean that they're, like, suddenly in love. And, like, he decides to stay in the forest, he doesn't want to go do palace life. And, And obviously, like, test audiences or the producers were like, no, we need to have the prince marry the princess at the end, so that's what they go with. But even then, because there's no physical wedding in front of me, I always took the ending to just be like and he went up to the palace to have a nice cup of tea because he's earned one and then he went back to the forest and they hung out for the rest of their lives because it could be anything they don't confirm or deny anything at all and like that's really nice I like it when they leave room for me to be like maybe this happened but also maybe it didn't. Yeah, I,
1: I had no um, problem with the way this version ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even I mean, it was a little just a, a, it was a smidge saccharin. You know, they're kind of smiling, looking back. Um, I I actually particularly liked the shot of all the elves and stuff like waving yeah. at them. I thought that was beautiful. But I was like, yeah, and and you know, like honestly, I don't know. I'm kind of a sucker. I kind of believe that that they are in love, and and I believe that they can. I believe that they can somehow make it work. I don't believe yeah, that he yeah, yeah. I don't believe that he can he'll ever find hap- happiness living in the city and I'm not sure if she'll ever find happiness just being in the, in the in the forest but mm-hmm. maybe they can figure out a way of making it work and I want them to because I do yeah. think that there, there's a place there's a time and place for just pure love stories in the world you know mm-hmm. it, it, we don't have to like make everything so gray and dark and grim you know they mm-hmm. can I, I think that they can find love even yeah. if they come from different like walks of life. you
0: know no 100% and it's definitely there and I see it and I've accepted it like but I like that there's room to go against that as well that they haven't just put these two people together and um, Lily's journey is fascinating where like especially when you look at the original story she's meant to turn into like an actual monster like Mm. physically she transforms into a monster and there's like rape scenes and everything and it's incredibly dark
1: Wow. obviously
0: they cut all of that out which I'm very glad about but um she still a sort of transforms. It's really interesting because all the time she is playing him for the fool. But there are moments where you can see that she's potentially tempted by the dark side. Her greed gets the better of her. She is a princess and she likes nice shiny things and he manages to get her over. And, you know, she has a great time with that dress. And she just, she just seems, she doesn't seem like a perfect princess human being. She's not a Mary Sue. She's like a person that's going through minute by minute, having feelings and reactions to things. And I absolutely, their, their conversation at the dinner table is one of my favourite pieces of cinema. I'm going to break it down for everyone at home because my God, if you could cut me open and like bare my insides, it would be this scene from Legend, and
1: She's, and before before you break oh. it down, this is what you <laughs> this is this is the scene that you saw when you were a kid, right? Yeah, this is this the scene the that kind dra- of pulled you in. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. okay,
0: yeah, um, everything about it, I was just like, yes. Um, so she's, she's been kidnapped, she's in the evil tree, and Darkness, played by Tim Curry, has just been like, you know what, I kind of fancy her, and his dad has been like, oh, just, you know, make her one of you, like, tempt her and woo her, and, you know, she'll be your girlfriend. So he, without us seeing it, he sends her all these gifts, he sends her this jewellery that she's distracted by, and then he sends her a dress in one of the greatest scenes ever where she's uh, choreographed by Arlene Phillips, she dances with this... Dress it like you have to watch it. I refuse to tell you about it because you have to watch it Everything about that scene is just wonderful Then she's she she changes into the dress and she literally goes to like goth Lily where she's got like black lipstick on and stuff Then darkness steps out of the mirror And it's incredible because this is the first time we see Tim Curry properly in the makeup And it blows you away every time no matter how many times you see it and then they head over to this huge like banquet That's laid out and it's very Beauty and the Beast. It's very pans labyrinth and it's, it's, you just sort of see the set and like, there's the table. And then they have this conversation where Tim Curry is so terrifying and sexy. And, um, she is trying so hard to like flirt so she doesn't die, but also maybe she's kind of interested at the same time, but also, oh my God, no, she's not. And it's just, they visually show it to you as well. He keeps asking her to sit at the table and the close-ups of his face and the close-ups of the furniture indicate that if she sits down, like, you don't know that she's ever going to be able to stand up again.
1: Yeah, it's like, yeah, if she sits down, that's, like, her becoming his queen, right? Yeah.
0: And you really get that underlying sense there's so much tension and there's so much worry for, like, Lily and where she's going to go. And she, like... Every time she goes over to this chair she like she's so elegant with the way she holds her fingers and she's about to sit down and this chair is like smoking and bubbling and it's like a creature and it's incredible it's like a piece of puppetry and she can like sense it and you've got this like heartbeat noise or maybe it was just my own heart in my ears i don't know but it was just It's just wonderful. And the conversation they have where he just keeps telling her to sit and she keeps being like, "Uh, okay, so you're capable of love? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's just a really lovely piece of dialogue. I can't do it justice at all. And it culminates in this wonderful moment where she's made a decision about how she's going to play this and she asks that she will be his queen if she gets to kill the unicorn. And it's terrifying because you think Lily's finally been brought over to the dark side and um, she's like refused to sit down and she's just hiding behind this chair after doing this wonderful laugh after he gets so angry and starts throwing things on the floor and just the whole scene. I just, I just, I can't, I'm not even making any sense. I'm literally just reciting this from memory, but I love it. So you have to go and watch it because then Tim Curry does this laugh and it makes my heart stop like when she asks to kill the unicorn
1: yeah
0: he laughs and they have obviously put some sort of effect on his voice as well it's not just Tim Curry but it's like 85% Tim Curry and it genuinely makes my heart stop every single time I hear it I don't know how you felt I (laughs) I actually,
1: I I noticed that I I noticed the laugh. I know exactly what you're talking about. I I enjoyed it. I thought that was great. Uh, I enjoyed that scene. Um, Tim Curry in that makeup is fully realized. Like it's, 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 I mean, I would even imagine 2020 standards that could not have been an easy thing to do. And Mm -hmm. the way that Ridley Scott shoots it, you know, the cinematographer shoots it, the DP, um, like it's i mean it's, it all these close ups but you have to have complete faith in your makeup department in order to pull those close ups off and boy oh boy is it effective um he is unbelievably amazing as as darkness mm-hmm. um the funny thing is he's probably what i know the most about the movie and it's because uh when i was i mean I, I still would love to now but i don't have the time but when i was a kid growing up i would paint i would make a lot of models but they weren't models like airplanes and and, and cars and stuff they were uh figure models based on movie characters and when i was like in the mid 90s i discovered that this was actually a thing and subscribed to like a magazine and everything and 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 Tim Curry's Darkness was a very popular, you know, statue that people would have. I mean, even now you can find some amazing ones out there. It's something that's always being produced because it's so amazing looking. The design is unreal. Mm -hmm. Um, And and the fact that they pull it off so well. He, He does a lot of movement in that suit that I am shocked at. And I'm like... How did, is he on stilts? Did Tim Curry have to do some yeah. kind of foot stilt work, you know? Um, and, and just the fact that they had, they, they zoomed in. Like, they filmed him as close-up shots as they film any of the other actors in the movie. And mm-hmm. that's what makes, and even uh, Blix, they do the same with Blix. All the makeup work in this film is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 um, the, the, the Swamp Witch, Unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I was excited because I know that was one of the things that you knew about Legend that mm-hmm. you you saw a lot. There was like a, a figure from what I remember.
1: In uh, the yeah, there town. was... Um... There was uh in uh in Burbank, California over uh there's a store I forgot what it's like Creature Features something like that. There's a little park in in Burbank uh um, called Magnolia Square Park, and it's just got a bunch of weird shops there. And uh, this one has like all kinds of like you know props and memorabilia from old movies, and they, had a, they have a level life size stand up of the swamp creature thing in there, and it just it looks great. I mean she looked. Great in the movie, she looks great in person. Like just, just like Tim Curry, like just like mm-hmm. Blix, just like everybody. The makeup design in this thing was insane. It's
0: so good because they're fully realized characters. They do not look fake. They do not look bad. No. They do not look like shit makeup. And on top of that, they look living and breathing. They're oozing and sweating and like moving and like everything's alive and everything's like there. It's not a Halloween mask. Never once does anything look like a Halloween mask. It's ridiculous. When he first steps out of the mirror and his foot or his like hoof lands on the sort of dusty floor and all this glitter like pops up and it's like you can reach out and touch it. Like it's a proper hoof with like fur and a leg and like it's just majestic. Like, every everything is so commendable visually about this movie.
1: And, like, and tactile. Like, everything... Yeah. Cause, because, I mean, we know, like, everything was done practically, mm-hmm. you know. Like, yeah, I'm not going to crap and say, you know, CGI is the worst thing ever. Yeah, CGI is, is awesome. We love movies with fantastic CGI, and when it's done well, it's great. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say it's not. But this movie is the ex- prime example of just... How have, having everything real um, is is so just uh, you you can't deny it you can't yeah. deny all all the you know whatever things are floating in the air you can't deny how amazing that looks you also you know you feel bad for the actors having mm-hmm. to breathe all that fake crap in but hey you, <laughs> that's that's what you got to do to be an actor right yeah. but uh you just you can't deny how beautiful that that the, a layer of like you said, majestic, a layer of just magic uh, uh, was made to this movie uh, Mm -hmm. over top of it. It it almost brings, we always say movie magic. This movie feels like it has magic. Does that make sense?
0: Like like actual magic was involved in the making of this movie yeah it it has a layer of maturity and respect to it the fact that they went all in with these costumes and and these prosthetics and things like that and and the the dark tones of the movie and all of these choices that they made i think that's why i loved it so much even though i was so young watching it i felt so grown up whereas as we've done earlier you compare it to the never ending story and don't get me wrong i will die for that movie but it is a kids' movie, and I do feel when I watch it, like, what a what a really, really wonderful kids' movie. I watch right. Legend, and I'm like, what a really wonderful movie.
1: Right. And there's
0: just something about the two of them, the way that it's shot, and it's thought out, and it, like, it just feels more like a movie made for adults, and it was always meant to be. It was meant to be a dark fairy tale for adults. It just so happens that because it's fantasy, like animation always does people slap the label of like it's for kids
1: on it right
0: really it's not at all um but so i mean you
1: could even say that like dark fantasy can be for kids too um you know especially if it if it has like a a a moral that it's trying to tell because a lot of times these fairy tales are uh you know like just trying to tell some kind of a moral or a cautionary tale uh to kids and stuff and and a lot of times they were pretty dark Mm -hmm. um but at the same time, it is nice to have a a fantasy film that really isn't trying to to be a kid's movie. Or mm-hmm. I guess you can tell during its filming phase was not trying to be a kid's movie. And then you're wondering because, yeah, you know, uh, adios amigos. Then you're like, hmm, that feels like it was added afterwards, like you said. Yeah. It felt, feels like it was added afterwards to kind of tone it down. But you you can tell that during the making of this movie as as evident by the frozen dead baby that (laughs) uh, that this is not for kids and it's not meant to be for kids and and i i think that's refreshing Mm -hmm. and i do want to see the director's cut i want to get it on blu-ray i want to be super super fucking baked when i watch it and i want to show it (laughs) to my wife and i think it'd be a lot of fun but i do want to see what is different about it too
0: yeah, they say that the character, they flesh out the characters more, everyone makes more sense, Jack is, is meant to be, because you, you can see when Jack first sees Una in her like, hu- like, fairy, uh, like, human almost iteration, he's not really paying attention because he's so like, I never got it as a kid, I was like, why is he so distracted? And then you grow up and you watch it and you're like, oh, he's like lusting after her. He, and that's why he can't pay attention, because he's just like, Oh my god, you're really hot. Oh my god, you're hot. Like, wait, what? Oh, okay, we're gonna get the Sama. Cool, I don't care. And you're right, never once does he, like, accept this hero's journey. Never once does Lily know exactly what she's doing or make good choices. Una is shit. The Gump is got serious anger issues. And, like, and th- I think the director's cut really expands on that, that it's like people are more than just one... Note, and people in fantasy are more than just one note as well. I talked about how everything has to be grey these days. But I guess legend is grey in the best way. and Not that it's like, look, Harvey Dent was good and then he got burned and now he's angry. It's like everyone is just born and having to make choices. And sometimes you make good choices and sometimes you make bad choices. And I think that was more what Ridley Scott was going for. Um, but I could just eat this movie. I could just honestly just consume this movie and swallow it down and have it
1: live in my stomach for the rest of my life <laughs> I... well i hope you don't uh, consume the asbestos uh that was, <laughs> it was <clearly> like <laughs> floating in the air <laughs> yeah no i can i can totally see uh the appeal of this film um i can totally see uh why it's so important to you it it's there's it's unlike anything out there. There's yeah. very few comparisons that you can make to legend. And mm-hmm. and it's just it's it's a it's an interesting film. It's a unique film. It's a it's a film that I don't know if you could make it today, you know, like, like, it, and would it have the same sort of impact? It wouldn't look the same. You, they would, no. they would rely too heavily on CGI and they may rely too heavily on like more standard story structure convictions. And they probably would have gone into the film with an idea of what the target audience, you know, was going to be because yeah. Disney would probably own this fa- film franchise. Like they own everything. Oh so God. it would if be Disney for kids. If Disney
0: ever wanted to do, like, no. Disney couldn't do it. It's like it'd be like Disney's version of Into the Woods. It would defeat the whole point of its existence, right? Um, and, and 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 like and
1: I I know you you guys kind of touched on it on the uh, the Mystery Men one or, or it's like I know it's in vogue to say but i do think that this movie would make a good limited series on hbo like in a, a 10 episode uh you know series on hbo to to maybe expand outwards some of these characters are like a mini series i don't know i don't know it's, or it's, it's or, like, or it's just perfect the way it is you know what i mean or it's just the perfect thing. the way it is you don't need to redo anything with it but,
0: like you're perfectly entitled to to want more like i absolutely agree but that, that's, that's the irony is more. i don't
1: actually i don't actually want more from but this yeah. movie i actually got Exactly what I wanted out of it, which was uh, uh, a fa- fantastical uh, escapism.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think because it's so hardcore '80s fantasy, it is cocaine '80s fantasy that you couldn't stretch it out. Or well, you could, you absolutely could. But in my opinion, like it's, it's like a one hour forty five. Like I, I'm making hand gestures, and this is a podcast. It's not helpful. It like, ugh like clench- everybody clench your hand. Inside your palm is legend. And like, that's where it belongs. And then the outside of your whole fist is like the 80s, and practical effects, and Tim Curry, and- and it just- it's a perfect little gem that- it was like lightning in a bottle. And the lightning wasn't good lightning. It was, like, weird lightning that people were like, what the fuck are you doing with that? Put it down. And then Ridley (laughs) Scott was like, no! And, like, threw it at a cinema, and the cinema was like, oh, Jesus Christ, what the hell am I meant to do with this? But they put it on anyway, and people went to see it, and they were like, whoa, what the... How? Did someone throw lightning in this? Like, what the... It, and it doesn't make any sense, and it, it isn't what it's even meant to be, it wasn't what it's set out to be, it isn't what Tom Cruise wants it to be, and you don't, you're not allowed, you're not allowed, I said the same thing about my dragon heart, in this post 9-11 world you're not allowed to just have a fantasy movie that's like, it uh, doesn't matter where we are. I don't need to name this world. I've never even considered that before. This is the first time that someone's pointed out, well, not that anyone ever watches this movie with me, but that's the first time someone's been like, where are we? Never even considered it. Because very much so everywhere else, we either go from one place to another or we end up in the place and it's named and everyone talks about it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it it's like, oh, time. we're we're at...
1: We're at Rivendale. They'll show you the yeah. the Rivendale. There'll be this like sweeping Big establishing sign. shot and yeah. everything, you know. And, and you'll always like,
0: welcome.
1: Yeah, you know, and you'll know where you are. Here, it's like you don't know how close the cottage is to all of that stuff, and yeah. and it doesn't and it doesn't matter because the movie's a dream. It's it's all yeah. a dream. It's all like a it's a, it's you know, it's even it's even further disconnected. It's a it's a retelling of a dream, mm. you know, and mm-hmm. and that is. That's what fairy tales are. They they change over time. It's weird, but the fact that that this isn't perfect, the fact that there's multiple versions of it almost so makes perfect. it perfect as yeah. a fairy tale because fair it's it's yeah, it's it's supposed to be open for interpretation it's exactly. a, you're, you're you need to allow room for imagination you need to allow room for the person listening to kind of insert themselves into it mm-hmm. you know and it's it's there it's this woods could be the same woods that are in your backyard just you know hundreds of years later you don't yeah. you don't know and it doesn't matter because it's every woods it doesn't it doesn't have to be a UK woods it could be you know um, a US woods it, it, it doesn't it matter
0: Switzerland it could be honestly anywhere. Mm-hmm. And every single place is so complete. Even though it makes no sense, we've gone from a gorgeous cottage in the woods where people make scones and have cute little cuckoo clocks. And then we've gone to like a campfire in the middle of the woods surrounded by all of these mythical creatures. Like you're in a set from Narnia. Then you go to this enormous hub of evil, which is like a tree but it's like a huge house. And at the bottom of the house is the dungeons, which is right next to these kitchens, which is like a fully fledged kitchen with these like ogres that like just eat people. What like, but, and it's completely different to when we were at the cottage five minutes ago, but it's all in the same place. It's all within however long of each other. And it, like, just, oh, you feel it. when you're in the kitchens, you're hot and you're bothered and you're scared and you're tense and then you're in the cottage and you're at peace and it's like a hug and, like, it's just such a visceral experience. Like, it's almost like a ride rather than a movie because you just feel... I think this is what people felt when they went to see Avatar and they'd never seen a movie before. You know, when everyone, like, banged (laughs) on about how, like, Avatar's... (laughs) You don't even need 3D glasses to feel that about Legend. It just invites you in, and it just... You can, like, taste the sweat on their foreheads. And this is the thing as well. They wouldn't be allowed to look so human now.
1: Oh, they... they Someone would have trimmed both of their unibrows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's... And I and love like, that... I, I, and yeah. I love when I love when <laughs> Mia Sarah turns evil. They even mascara, or they they even like enhance her her unibrow hair in yeah. the middle. And uh, and and I only say that because I was I was remarking on another podcast about how like in the eighties like dudes didn't like groom anything above their their like beard. Mm-hmm. So like you'd see like twenty year old guys with like nose hair and unibrow hair. And I'm like, why you couldn't have just trimmed that? Like I do like that men men's beauty. Like we were allowed to be a little bit more uh, uh, uh primmed yeah nowadays the, than we were back then I, yeah. I mean I shave my I shave my unibrow in the middle you know mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> but- it's it's but fun, but to, to your point it, it's, yeah. it's 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 not, they looked realistic that's the thing that's that's what's that's what I think you're trying to what you're tuning and into is so that it's so
0: important in a fantasy movie to yeah. have some grounding in reality if you can't right. have your Luke Skywalker and you're going to have a princess and a forest boy and a gump and a goblin and the lord of darkness who's not the devil but like related to the devil who knows the reason you can come into it, I find that you can come into it so easily, is because they look like real people.
1: Yeah, yeah. Even I, though it,
0: they're like weird,
1: and and I've I, I've always liked uh, Mia Sara. I think she's beautiful, but man, Tom Cruise is is even more beautiful. And I'm like, oh my <laughs> god, he's he's a beautiful man in this movie, and yeah. uh, it's it's. You can see why you know he's a star. You know you do yeah. sort of just get like you know sucked into him and, and lost into him. I mean, I, I, sadly, I almost think he puts Mia Sara to shame in this movie. Is it's, it's crazy? He's a gorgeous man, and yeah. uh, and and it's it's wild to see. But at the same time. I'm not a Tom Cruise hater by any stretch of the imagination. I'm also not the biggest Tom Cruise star in the world or a fan in the world, but like I'm watching this movie and I'm like, okay, I get it. I totally yeah. get where, why Tom Cruise got as big as he did. You know, mm-hmm. there's something, something about it. And I like magnetic. the character of Jack. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's very magnetic. You just, you get sucked into it and you're like, okay, you're, you sort of can't look away.
0: Mm-hmm. And I found that about all of them. I found the Gump fascinating. In like oh the, yeah, same. In like a bizarre way. And like the, the, everything about the movie, the way that it's clearly been edited, like when the Gump first does, when he first meets the Gump, they cut a scene, there's meant to be like a whole song and dance number, which is why one minute we're chatting with the Gump, and the next minute we cut back to Tom Cruise, and he's like sweating,
1: mm. and like
0: dripping, and he's out of breath, and you've no idea why, and it's because they've cut this huge dance number, but... Also, you just accept it as like, yeah. Now he's out of breath and sweating. I get it. Yeah, yeah. It's existing, yeah I mean, it's, existing it, in this world.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's that was probably my <laughs> thought. It's like, yeah, I would probably be sweating too. And then, like, you know, like him getting his his armor and stuff. There was there was no like pomp and circumstance to it. It was yeah. just like, hey, we know where this cachet yeah. is. Yeah. Here you go. You know, he wasn't like we'll drawn to it or something. You know.
0: Yeah. It's very practical. They were like cool, this shouldn't have happened, but as it has happened, we'll go get the armour. What armour? Oh, you know, the armour that just, like, lives in that cave. Oh, OK. Because uh, also, as well, that's what's so wonderful. It's like, we need a hero. And then he just turns to look at Jack and he goes, you'll do. Yeah. And Jack's like, what? He's like, yeah. yeah, we'll go Yeah, we'll go get you some armour. And you can save the forest, yeah? And Jack's like, uh, I mean, I, I'm not doing anything else, so...
1: <laughs> and it's not... Well. That- you would think, like, it's like in like any that. other movie, the Gump would have been like, "It was your fault that you did this, so mm. it's your penance to kind of uh, uh, to to fix it." But no, here it's like, "Oh, ah, oh, well, we got a guy right here, and uh, yeah. by default, or by even, default, you're or, it." <laughs>
0: even just like it was written, like, and then they'd show you a cave right. painting where like Jack had been etched in four hundred years ago, and it'd be like, "It's you. You finally come." Uh, um, that's okay.
1: That's a great point. This movie feels like someone should have said at the beginning that all of this was written and that, you know, the darkness would be destroyed by the innocence of – with the – yeah. There's none of that. There's no, like, a sense that this is all supposed to happen, which Mm – Again, I find very refreshing because it's it. not—it's not these two characters are—they're bound by this destiny. It's these two characters that are in this situation cool that they off. created, but they—they—they they, they don't quite take responsibility for the fact that they did it, and yet now they have to fix it, and they're not fixing it because like they feel honor bound to fix it. They fix it. He's fixing it because he wants to get his chick back, and yeah. because this little Forrest Gump guy told him he sort of has to, and he's like okay I guess I have to now you know (laughs) it's
0: just people making choices and living in moments like literally everything is happening just because he's like unicorns are back in town go kill them for me how do I do that this is the thing as well they keep talking about how it's Princess Lily's fault and like it's not like yes she wasn't meant to touch the unicorn but touching the unicorn isn't what killed the unicorn right what killed the unicorn was the poisoned dart from the goblin and then the goblin beheading the unicorn that's what killed the unicorn and everyone's like you there lassie this would be your fault we're in eternal winter now because you made bad choices and she's like i'm sorry i didn't mean to i don't know she didn't fucking do anything no. wrong and it's and this is the thing, it's not a problem, I don't watch this movie and be like, everyone, leave Lily alone! Um, it's more just like, yeah, they probably do think that she was the reason. She, they probably do think, in their mythos, that her touching a unicorn caused this damnation. When we know, as the audience, that it was the darkness's plot the whole time, and we literally watched them put a poison dart in it and chop off the horn, not once is she forgiven. Not once is someone like, hey, we realised we found the poison dart by the forest floor and, like, we realized now that it wasn't your fault and we do apologise. Thank you for doing everything that you did. Because also, what did she do? She just, like, turned evil. And then, like, decided not to be. And then released the unicorn. But if everyone hadn't- but not one person's choices and decisions save the day. Same as not one person's choices and decisions cause the grief. And I really love that. I get so sick in fantasy of that trope of like the chosen one there's no chosen one here there's just people going about their day and they're just having a really tough day
1: Yeah, I, I, I love that you said all of that because I felt the same way. Um, you could, I guess, the only argument you could make is that by her touching it, kind of slowed it down, like kept it in place for long enough for Blix to shoot it. But yeah. I, I, think Blix could have ran it down and shot it anyways. You know, like I, I never got the sense that she really had anything to do with it, but mm-hmm. at the same time. Everyone else, no one else was there to see it, so they don't know, like yeah. you said, and that's what I like, is that, you know, she she doesn't ever really defend herself, like, say, oh, but I didn't, you know, but, you know, it's it's all fantasy, no one knows the rules jack doesn't ever come out and like perfectly explain every bit of the rules of this because mm-hmm. he doesn't know either he just kind of is in tune with things and you know we just as audiences we want every single thing explained to us and yeah. in this movie it, it, it either doesn't explain it or it allows you to sort of interpret it yourself now that's not to say you know it's different in the director's cut i, I don't know yeah. you know it could be more of an explanation but as as it stands with the theatrical Cut. I like what it's saying, which is allowing the viewer. I, you know what? That's the thing. I feel like a lot of times, a lot of times you talk down to the viewer, and this movie, and this cut at least of this movie, I feel like it didn't and whether that was by design or sort of happenstance i'm not sure but because it doesn't talk down to you it allows you to have more interpretation it allows you to fill in blanks the way you want to fill them in and i think you still walk away with the same morality tale the same you know uh uh, result but it allows more just whole not bad holes not like plot holes but holes for you to kind of you have fun with and, and mm-hmm. you know, insert yourself into there, whatever, you know, that I just again, I'm, I'm I know that I, I feel like I know that this movie is not perfect. And I know that this is not the version that they even want the creators even want you to see. Mm-hmm. But I think, like you said, there's a lightning in the bottle here that I'm not sure that the director's cut would even uh, even has as well. There's something yeah. about uh, there's something about what this movie lacks is what it's as major, is what makes it really special. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: 100%. It's exactly the type of movie that I've always wanted to write. The type of movie where I'm like, that would be really cool if we tried this instead of the norm. The reason we always do the norm is because it works and it makes sense. And you can watch the movie with the 3X structure and you can be like, that was a good movie. This one is arguably not a good movie. It makes no sense. There are no arcs. The characters are weird and all over the place. The editing is bizarre. The acting is genuinely bizarre at points, and but like, but all of that makes it what it is, and what it is is a wonderful visceral experience that's not like anything we've seen before. And you either really, really love it, or you don't. And I would urge people to watch it, whether you're a fantasy fan or not, just to see if it does anything for you because it's not your typical movie, and like for all the reasons we've said, it's not it, and that's why I always loved it because I could see. I love those stories that weren't being told, like Ghost World and like all of these movies that were just like off the cuff a bit because they were just like, I want to tell this story and it's not going to 100% work, but I'm going to do it anyway. And like props to them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I think that ev- everything you just said is is completely accurate. Um, I I think this is a movie that people should see, and like you said, see for yourselves. I mean, everyone's got a freaking opinion on this movie, and um, you know, and I went in hearing all of them in my head, but at the same time, I was like, ah, whatever, screw it, I'll see what happens. I just let this movie wash over you, and yeah. and just see how you feel at the end. It's it's I know like. I know we all love, like, analyzing movies. We all love really getting into the nitty-gritty and stuff. But even, like, I mean, even, like, Star Wars, all these movies, like, the technology in Star Wars doesn't work. Like, when you start thinking about, like, like it's because here's the thing. Don't worry about the technology in Star Wars. That's not what it's about. It's mm-hmm. about, you know, the, the, the hero's journey and stuff. And in Legend... You know, honestly, I don't think there's any weird like like holes in the the plot. Like you 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 know you said about the whole like you know seeing Jack sweaty. I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah. So like I didn't even find that to be like a, like any kind of a hole in the plot. My my only biggest gripe was probably like the Una thing. I felt like that could have been fleshed out a little bit smidge more. But other than that, this is just man just. Look for, watch the visuals. Let this thing pass over you. L- like, let it absorb you. L- go into this world. Freaking get high as fuck. Smoke your brains out. Do some, eat some edibles and just like live in this world for 93 minutes or whatever mm-hmm. version you have. And I just, I hope it's the best version, like, best visual version. I don't care about the story. I-, I want you to see the best visual version because no matter what, this movie is a visual tour de force and mm-hmm. from the makeup to the set design to to the cinematography to uh, the costume design uh yeah. i love the goblins you know uh mm-hmm. it was just you know i could jack could have worn a pair of pants when he had the armor on but eh, what are you gonna do <laughs> yeah, uh, 80s. <laughs> 80s you know ha- hairy man legs running 70. everywhere <laughs> but uh but uh i mean t- tim curry you have to see it just for tim curry doing his Tim Curry thing, but under so much makeup that you can't really even tell it's him. But yet at the same time, he just he disappears into darkness and Mm -hmm. and is beautiful, more beautiful for it. You know, and it's just it's unbelievable. It's freaking it's it's an unbelievable movie. And I again, I have to reiterate, I don't know if I would have liked it as much as I do. If I watched it or, or like and I by the way I've seen it I, I now that I've watched it I know I've seen most of it you know here and there throughout my life but this is the first time like I'm sitting down analyzing it enjoying it and I don't think that just all of my experiences with drugs with with where I'm at now with the interest in folklore and stuff I feel like 42-year-old Corey is the best version of Corey to have seen this movie for it to really have an impact uh on him. And I and, and I say that because I know that this didn't have an impact on me before. It, if anything, it terrified me uh, mm-hmm. when I was younger. And, and that comes from someone who've watched, you know, like RoboCop when he's 9, Predator when yeah. he's 9, Aliens when he's 8. This That's movie terrifies me because it's so gooey. It's so gooey. Yeah. You know, and and people are just getting eaten by orcs at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. They're alive and they're getting chopped up, guys. That is, it's it's. I mean, that is a horrific, uh, uh, like visual that they give us very early on you know Mm -hmm. and i'm like oh my god this is uh, wow okay all right maybe you know what maybe you smoke after that scene start like light up after (laughs) that scene
0: (laughs) and that's why i loved it i think that's why nine-year-old emily was the perfect person to come to it because i was already i loved fantasy i loved folklore i loved fairy tales i loved the idea that these dark fairy tales existed outside of the disney adaptations and that i was able to read them on my own time and like Find out all of these horrific things and and find it fascinating, um, and then this movie existed and like showed me all of them in movie form, and I was able to root for this princess who like made bad choices and like was greedy and selfish and stupid and like it just yeah it was it was so wonderful to me to come across, and I really. And I, I, it's taken me until 29. Wait, how old am I? 28. I'm 28. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> um, 28. And um, it's taken me this long before uh, I found other people that are like, "Hello, yes, I not only know that it exists, but I like it." And I'm like, "Oh my god, there are people out there that appreciate." It. I always thought it was just like either a figment of my imagination, this movie, or just like no one knew about it. And it had just been lost. And I was like, how has it been lost? Because Alien and Gladiator are fucking everywhere with their male protagonists. But you put a princess as the first person you see and everyone's like, no, I'm not interested. Like, for whatever reason, this movie has just fallen under the wire. Um Even with I, the I, 80s fantasy. I'd
1: thing. say this is a strong contender for a cult classic. It, it's oh, yeah. a it's a cult film for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am so glad that you enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of knew you, I wasn't at all worried. I didn't sit down and was like, oh no, Um, is this going to be the last time I ever speak to him? Is he going to like speak badly of this movie and then I'm going to have to block him on (laughs) Skype or whatever. (laughs) Um, I wasn't thinking that, but like... I because especially you know after the visuals of Tron and stuff I was like oh, yeah you're it's, like, I was gonna say anything, yeah because like the like blossom everywhere
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I mean because like Tron is a good primer because like you know I I don't care about the like the story's really bad in that movie but it doesn't off put me yeah, Um it's, it's funny, the visuals like, are so strong and, and Legend really, same way
0: yeah I really love what you said about the visuals in Legend and it's definitely a reason to watch this movie I would also sit here and fight for the story as well like it's a story that isn't it is told all the time but it's told in a way that's so bizarre and different like we said there's no typical hero's journey and there's no typical princess route and the the people make decisions that don't make sense and stuff happens and there's that weird twist where the goblin is now like a friend of ours and has been the whole time and was like what for they didn't need that they didn't need that why was that bit in there great that it was though because it's just another thing Yep. You know, you're just yeah, it, like cool okay i guess that's happening now what's up now whoa, whoa. like it just it's just oh man i'm just yeah i'm just saying the same stuff over and over again now but it's uh oh.
1: yeah I it no, so I, I'm, I'm with you I, I don't i don't really know what else to add to it other than yeah I, i'm with you i i'm glad that that one you know fairy slash goblin was in it i'm 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 happy with Every choice that they made um, Mm -hmm. in this cut, Uh, I I would like to see the other cut just to see what other options there are. But if I'm looking at it just from this, just from the theatrical 93-minute run time, I'm happy with the choices that they made uh, for this movie. Truly.
0: Yeah. Yay! Thank you (laughs) so much for giving me the chance to watch this movie again. I love it. Thank
1: you for giving me the option <laughs> to watch the the chance to watch it because honestly this like with with all the podcasts if I'm not watching something that I'm going to be reviewing I don't have time to like watch it at all and uh, I think I think I saw it pop up on stars or something and I just like I hadn't even seen it yet and I was like Emily let's just let's just schedule this because we're just going to keep like pushing it if we don't just Mm -hmm. schedule it you know and then it's like once I actually can okay it's scheduled now I got to sit down and watch it that's kind of how my brain works so um, thank you for giving (laughs) me the uh, after 42 freaking years uh the Chance to actually see. I mean, we're not the only ones. There, it, it has a strong cult following, and now mm-hmm. I can I can say, hey, I get it. I get the appeal of Legend. I get why it's a cult movie. I get why you know it's got such. I mean, it had, does have a very strong following you know it's it's but like a lot of cult movies it's it's a smaller following but it's Mm -hmm. very passionate you know and uh i and i know just even from posting uh you know a picture that i'm was prepping for this you know people already on instagram are like oh yeah legend i freaking love that movie let me know when the episode drops can't wait to hear you guys talk about it you know it's like oh cool okay I all right legend is uh something that people like you know that's
0: good yeah yeah i need to find these people so bad
1: (laughs) yeah exactly
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) um tell us about all of your various podcasting
1: endeavors (laughs) yeah i'm i'm on a couple or a few i should say uh you can find me on uh podcasting after dark talking about weird cult horror movies and not non-horror movies uh stuff like movies like 1985 the stuff or night of the comet but then we also do adventures of fort fairlane uh which is 1990 but Everything is basically a cult movie from the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. Um, you can hear me talk every week about Seinfeld on Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. I'm full-time podcaster.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. They're all across social media. Just type them in um, all across every podcasting platform. They're all wonderful. All of your co-hosts are wonderful, wonderful people <laughs> whom I love.
1: Um, <laughs> I think every single one of them pretty much has been on, uh, on yours. That. Uh, I think we've, we've, we've added some new shows to our roster. So I got to get you in touch with, uh, with those guys too. Nice. So <laughs> <laughs> just spread out throughout the entire exactly. network. Um,
0: but thank you so much. I just like, I, I, pff, I fucking love this movie. You guys like in case that hasn't been obvious. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. And I hope that you'll come on again with a, uh, another podcast
1: another <laughs> well, film.
0: at some point. I'm like overwhelmed with my love for this movie. I'm like, <laughs> suddenly super tired. I'm like, Oh man. <laughs> well, I
1: just want to, I just want to reiterate that I fucking love this movie too. Yay! So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, like I said, just, man, I, I can't wait to see it again. High as fuck. That's all I can say. I'm
0: so excited for you. Like I, know, I think right? it's going to be so good.
1: Like
0: <laughs> I've never really been one for like, uh, Definitions of stuff like I've, I've never been like when people are like, oh, this movie's coming out in like HD or whatever I'm always like I don't care I could watch my movies on like my phone and I would still be happy But there is like this and Jean Cocteau's Beauty and the Beast. I get it. I suddenly understand The like you want to see this on a huge screen in like beautiful definition with all the saturation like pushed up Like I get I get it all of a sudden. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, no, I want that. I want that now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a shame to not watch that movie in the best like, version that you can possibly, you know, afford. Uh, I mean, I don't, like, freaking have, like, a 4K TV or anything, but, like, I, I want to see it, like, on Blu-ray because, yeah. you know, streaming streaming sucks. Like, I want the actual Blu-ray uh, mm-hmm. quality on my TV. And, yeah, I'm just going to show it to my wife and just be like, look, let's just smoke and just chill and watch it. And it's also, it's it's also a, would be a great movie, like, if you have a party and just put it on as visuals in the yeah. background and just, you know, while everyone's mingling and talking. Because I guarantee you someone's going to look over and be like, what the fuck is going on over <laughs> yeah. there and you're gonna be like you're gonna be like it, it, it's amazing that's what the fuck is going on over <laughs> yes. there and you're gonna get somebody who wa- who's going to, want who's gonna want to like aid. watch it yeah you know yeah. <laughs> so true oh
0: man thank you but, so much
1: you're welcome and i i would be happy to be back on at any point in time yay.
0: and thank you for listening we'll see you next time on why this film Bye. Hello, darling. It's me, Tesianos, host of the ongoing comic book discussion podcast. And if I got a Halloween treat for you. This
1: October, I am hosting a horror comic marathon for 31 days. That's right, my frightful fiends. Every- Every single day from october 1st to october
0: 31st ocd will review a horror comic to count down to the greatest holiday ever conjured you can follow ocd on instagram and ocd podcast facebook at facebook.com slash ocd podcast and twitter at ongoing comic pod it's going to be a hauntingly good time so be there or or just just be there Ooh. why this film podcast has a patreon patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for artists and creators to get paid head to patreon.com forward slash why this film podcast and you can select a tier. for three pound a month you can join camelot and enjoy early access to episodes including seasons one to three you'll get to vote in polls and get a personal shout out on the pod For £5 a month, you can join Ferngully with instant access to everything from Camelot. Ferngully members can also enjoy bonus content, live episode voting power, plus access to monthly movie night. Grab your popcorn and a drink of your choice as we pajama up and watch a movie together remotely. And for £10 a month, you can join the Enchanted Forest, where on top of everything from Camelot and Fern Gully, you can be part of a live episode where we all discuss a movie chosen by you. And if you're not into 80s and 90s animated tears, you can skip all that and make a custom pledge of an amount that suits you. Or you can head over to co-fi.com forward slash podcast and buy me a coffee with a one-off payment. We will be adding hot chocolate to that coffee and probably chick cream, and marshmallows, and sprinkles, but you don't need to worry about that. Thank you to all who donate, and thanks to my patron David for supporting this episode on Patreon. Why this film podcast is my happy place. I love chatting to guests and revisiting long lost movies, and I hope you do too.